The following broadcast is brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International. this morning's message, which might sound like a little strange to you, but I called it in preparation. In preparation. Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. So I'm going to read it from King James and then the Amplified Classic. After two days, Jesus Sorry, after two days, the feast of the Passover of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might, uh, by craft, put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. So, obviously, you don't want to go kill somebody when everybody's celebrating. <laughs> Note to the enemy. If they celebrate it, leave them alone. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, he sat at meat, and there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment and spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and given to the poor, and they murmured against her. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She has wrought a good work upon me, for you always have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me you will not always have. She has done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. In other words, in the Amplified here, verse 8, it says here, she has done what she could. She came beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Or she, she anointed me in preparation for. So there's a lot of things that we do right now that we don't realize what we're doing, but we're actually doing it in preparation for what's coming. If we're doing something in preparation for, the thing that we're doing it in preparation for, that's the exciting thing. The preparation many times doesn't look like it's that exciting. You understand what I'm talking about? Because people say, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm, pre I'm preparing. Well, what are you doing? Well, we're getting ready. We're making room. And that's the area where people I believe fail because they don't make preparation and because they don't make preparation, the Lord can't really bless them because if he blessed them, it would be to their detriment because they're not ready for what he wants to put in their life. This conference coming up, we've got two weeks to get ready for it and it's about overflow. And I want you to prepare yourself spiritually to receive what God is about to download here in this week-long, eight-day meeting so that you can then be catapulted into the next season of what God's about to do in and through your life. We make, we make, pre we make preparation. So he says here, she has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burial. And then verily I send you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she has done will be spoken in memorial of her, which we basically are a fruit of what she did because the gospel has a fragrance to it and we've been touched. You hear the multiple testimony upon testimony of what has been happening here. The fragrance has been spreading all across the city. Over 6,000 people gave their life to the Lord last week. Are you with me? So that's the fragrance that is being um, smelled. The people that have come back from Europe from D.C., from Carolinas, from California, the next six days, the cities that will hit, the fragrance that's going to be smelled in these cities. 
It's all in preparation. We're getting people ready. When the Lord told me to, to start the River Church, and it really was not something that I had intended, was on my list of things to do, because we were evangelists going to churches, reviving churches, and having moves of God everywhere we went. However, I guess pastors provoked me to do it because they would look at me and say, well, it's great. It's great that you've been here. Place is packed out and the fire of God's falling and all that's wonderful, but you can't really have this in a local church. So I looked at them and said, what are you talking about? Well, you just can't have it in church. I mean, after you leave, we have to get back to normal. <laughs> so I began to realize that they had relegated the move of the Spirit of God to something that only happened on rare occasions. In other words, you had to have a guest speaker come in and then he had to have a meeting and you had to announce it and the name had to be up on the marquee and it had to be called a revival and then everybody would come expecting that. But then when that was finished, then everything was back to normal again. And one of the things that would frustrate me more than you can ever imagine was to go there and spend four weeks in a city, see the place packed out, jammed out, standing remotely, and you go away, come back one year later, and you look there, and you could not tell that you'd actually been there. You, you walked out and you went, what? How do you kill what happened a year ago? Trust me, they killed it within six weeks. Within six weeks after our departure, they'd already put to death whatever God was doing, they shut it down because they didn't know what to do with it. It was too much joy. I mean, we can't have church and there's so much joy. What are we going to do with happy people? I said, well, they've got to fulfill their assignment of what God's been doing in their life. And they've got to go out and tell the lost and dying world what great things the Lord is doing for them. But they, had, they didn't even have room for that. There was no accommodation for that. Like some of the churches that we were in, and we saw in an area of a neighborhood 2,000 people saved. And when we even brought the decision cards to the pastor, we said, listen, if you follow up on these people, our people have prayed with these people, they've given their lives to the Lord. And the pastor said, well, what are we going to do with these people? I mean, <laughs> we can't bring in these people. Yeah, they might vote us out. Because wow. the church worked on how many votes. So if you're running 180 people, you've got 2,000 people. If they, if they just added 300 more people there and then they called a vote, the people might say, yeah, you and the old duck on the piano, plunkety-plunk, you out. Are you with me? Especially if they get saved with his life and with his, with his joy. People, people, people don't want to go back to that. If you've just eaten at a great restaurant, well, you, how are you going to go eat in some place where they bring you dry bread, and the meat has got like a fungus on the top of it, you know? <laughs> but you just have to go ahead and take it because it's good. It's prophetic. <laughs> it's leftovers from the Last Supper. So, I mean, I begin to ask myself the question, so you're telling me that the church can't have a move of God, the church can't have revival, or can't have the spirit of revival in the church 24-7, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year? I mean, why? Why do we have to have a service where we have to now bring the jumper cables? What's happened over here? Sister Mary Sue, she battery ran out two weeks ago. We found her in the parking lot and we, we pushed her in. We sat her here, but she's barely, there's barely even a signal. <laughs> you think it's funny, it's not funny. And then you have to come and, and, and you know, jumpstart. Jump start. <laughs> basically, you need a defibrillator. Remember this, you're always in preparation for what's next. Yes. 
And a lot of people, they're in preparation for nothing. They just get up every day. Oh, how's it going? Well, this is another day at, another day at the grind. <sighs> I just pray somehow, some way, somehow, the Lord will do something. I just got to see something else happen. Well, you, you, you need to point yourself in a direction and make preparation for it. Can you say amen? And that's what we're doing here today. Everybody say, we're in preparation. You see that when a couple going to have a baby, what do they do? They, they're in preparation for the coming of the baby. They even get a room. They paint the room because sometimes they know up ahead what's coming. Uh, most people don't know till the great reveal, <laughs> which is either pink powder or blue powder. Which, for me, the reveal was when the baby came out. I'm standing there right there. Donica's there, you know, the whole thing. I'm not going to describe how she was lying. And I'm standing, watch, I watch the thing crown, and then suddenly, <laughs> baby come out. <laughs> and I, I, had to, I had to help catch. And then... That's the big reveal. You pull it back here. Oh, it's a girl. But we've made preparation. Maternity clothes, you have to make preparation. If you still try to wear your regular clothes, it's not going to work. You'll be wearing, you might have a long dress, but by the time the baby's nine months, you'll be wearing a miniskirt. You make preparation. Isn't that right? You get ready. Aren't you glad the Lord gives you nine months to get ready for the coming of a child? You've heard me say this before. It'd be terrible if you got married and you went off on your honeymoon and one day you just woke up and, and there's the baby in the bed like, what? You can't say how. You know how. But you need that nine months to get ready. Otherwise, the baby wouldn't be a blessing. Are you with me? You plan for the baby. Amazing, I've got all these singles staring at me like, like they all know what's going on. They have no clue. In preparation, everybody say in preparation. So let me ask you a question. What are you in preparation for? Somebody said, well, I'm just in preparation just if I can make it through the month. That's not, that's not preparation for anything. God didn't put you here just to make it through May. Are you with me? You're not going to just make it through May. You're going to thrive in May. You're going to succeed in May. You're going to go over the top in May. Well, I won't go into Judas Iscariot and how upset he was. But let's go on down here to verse 12. And the first day of the unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said to him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare, prepare, that thou mayest eat the Passover? So they knew that preparation had to be made. For the, for the eating of the Passover. And look what Jesus said. He sent them forth two of his disciples and said, go into the city and there you will meet a man bearing a pitch of water, follow him. Interesting that they found a guy carrying water. Yeah. Are you with me? You know, wherever I go, I look for people carrying water, Amen. living water. Because those are the people that you can do something with. Are you with me? The ones that are out still trying to find the water, 
You can't do anything with them. You actually have to help them get water. But the ones that you found in the area, in the region, they're carrying the water. They already knew where the water was, and they already had water with them. They're not going to be a casualty or someone that needs help. They're the ones that can help you get the job done. So Jesus said, find the one carrying the pitcher of water, and wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the good man of the house, the master saith, where is the guest chamber? Where shall I eat the Passover with my disciples? And then watch this now. Jesus already knew he will show you a large upper room. Everybody say large upper room. Furnished and prepared. There, make ready for us. So this thing was already there. God already knows wherever you are going, whatever city you find yourself in, whatever nation you find yourself in, God already knows where the one carrying the water is, where the upper room is, where everything is laid out already in preparation for your coming. They were preparing, but they didn't know what was coming until you got there to inquire. Are you grabbing a hold of this yet? I know I started reading, everybody thought I was going to talk about the woman, you know, with the alabaster box. I mean, I'm just, whatever. Don't get stuck in your little rut. Hello. So the disciples went forth, came to the city and found as he had said, and they made ready for the Passover. Now, if, if you read this, let's go to the Amplified and let's go down to verse um, 13 in the Amplified. He says, yeah, and he sent two of his disciples and said, well, in the verse 12, he says, where do you wish us to go and prepare? Everybody say, prepare. prepare. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm in preparation. <laughs> so that's going to be your verbiage. That's going to come out of your mouth from now on until Jesus comes. Every time somebody, how are you doing? I'm in preparation. What are you doing? Oh, I'm in preparation. I'm, I'm getting ready. For what? <laughs> For what God's about to do. What the Lord's done, he's done, but I'm getting ready for what he's about to do. And then he said, go into the city and a man carrying an earthen jar or pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. Which the Bible says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So we're looking for people. I'm not looking for a water pot per se. I'm looking for a person carrying living water. And whatever house he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where's my guest room? <laughs> Pretty bold. Where I may eat the Passover, supper with my disciples. And he will himself show you a large upper room furnished. Now, I love this. The Amplified says, with carpets and with din dining couches. So they obviously did things a little differently to the way we do it. Obviously, Carpets, dining couches, properly spread and ready there, prepare for us. Hallelujah. That means the Lord has got something already prepared for you. You just have to find it. I want to make an announcement to you that this next week, between now and next Sunday, that you will find what's already been made in preparation for you. And then the disciples set out and came to the city and found everything just as he told them. And they prepared for the, for the Passover. Amazing what you find hidden in the scripture. A lot of people get impatient in preparation. We tell that to all the students coming, one year, two years, the third year internship. Some people jump the gun, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. You're not ready, you're not ready yet. There's still a few missing pieces that you haven't got. And we've watched, unfortunately, we've watched them jump the gun, get out there and struggle for five years because they're in a hurry. Preparation time is never wasted or lost, ever. And God gets us ready Amen. for what he's about to do. Amen. That's what we've been doing here at the river. 
the pavilion, the new sanctuary, pre preparation, all of what's coming, preparation. Can you say amen? amen? But we can't be impatient. There's certain things that have to be done, and we can do it either the right way or the wrong way. We can try to do it, well, we just want to do it cheaply. No, no, this is a proper banquet. The master is coming. Are you with me? Look how they describe it. Carpets, couches. One thing I found out about the Lord, he doesn't do anything cheap. And he doesn't waste. Everything is utilized. Everything is used. Many times people are in a hurry to get somewhere and in the end they get nowhere. I've been doing this a long time, 43 years. Let me tell you right now. There's many people that I met in the early days of my ministry that were starting off with me, and they're always in a hurry to get somewhere, and today they're still in a hurry trying to get somewhere. And I wanted to say, can you sit down for a moment? Can you? And then when you sit them down, all they do is talk. All they do is talk. And you say, listen, listen, hey, hey, Because most of their talk revolves around the past. And it's always about disappointments. You know, imagine if we still here talking about, oh, the great setback of 2020. <laughs> when COVID came upon us. And I, I probably irritate people saying, thank God for 2020 COVID. Even my arrest, it was the best thing that ever happened right. to the ministry. Best thing, the greatest thing ever happened. Yes. I was looking at things the other day. I started praying for another lockdown. I said, Lord, <laughs> let them lock down again. No, because it's okay. It's not going to happen. We understand that. Not right now anyway. But it, what it did was it just showed you who was real. Yes. Are you with me? Yes. Because the ones that God had been preparing months and years ahead, they're the ones that just kept moving straight along. They didn't miss a lick. They just kept moving right along. They weren't even phased. There were a lot of questions that they had, a lot of things that happened that took place, a lot of things that took them by surprise. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to look at the daily news happenings. I have to do the news every Sunday morning. And it's like, it's like, <laughs> surely this is not happening you know so basically if you don't look at it and just laugh you just think the whole planet's lost its mind which in actual fact the whole planet's lost its mind so when we travel we try to help people find their minds and the mind that we want to get them to find is the mind of Christ can you say amen to find who they are in Christ so that God's plan and purpose can be wrought through their life. Say it again. I'm in preparation. I'm in preparation. So I'm getting, ready I'm getting ready for what God's about to do. There's people here getting ready to get married. There's people here getting ready to have children. There's people here getting ready to, to build a house. Amen. There's people here getting ready to buy property, to buy land. These people here getting ready to launch a new company. Yes. Amen. Amen. It's all preparation. I remember when we were walking through this place <laughs> two months before we opened. And I'm looking at all of this. I mean, if you knew what went into the foundation, you know, the steel, the concrete, and the rebar, and everything. And I was just like, oh, man, this thing's got to hurry up. You know, it, it, it was a quick work, five and a half months, you know, 45 contractors, people working 
not enough around the clock as far as I was concerned, but I didn't want to be seen like a person with a whip walking through the place, cracking a whip through the middle of the night. I think some of the staff felt that I lived somewhere in the building and that at three o'clock in the morning, I was just walking around with a, with a whip cracking, hurry up, build the place. <laughs> Where are the painters? We had so many people working over each other, trying to get everything ready. And then we had to get it ready by the 22nd. Somebody said, well, you didn't. In retrospect, you could have just taken it easy. No, we had to make a statement, not just for the enemy to know. Are you with me? Sometimes you do what you do because you want the devil to know exactly what you're up to. Are you with me? We're not taking this lying down. We're going to do this and we're going to see the hand of God and we're going to see the acceleration of God behind it in five and a half months through two hurricanes, Thanksgiving and Christmas, to see all of this happen was a miracle. In anybody's language was a miracle. And to pay for it was the miracle. If I look back, I can't really think of that there was any people, there might be one or two groups that were a little iffy about working out, you know, but everybody was excited and was over the top, excited to be a part of what was happening. From what I, from what I could, is that true? Would you say that? Yeah. And everybody wants to be involved in the next phase of what is about to happen. So we're making preparation. I'm in preparation. I'm in preparation for what God is doing in America and this hour. Can you say amen? amen? And I know there's a lot of people in preparation what's going to happen in 2024 elections. I'm not even faced by what's going to happen in 2024 elections. What God's doing is greater than any election. Are you listening to me? Elections come and elections go. People come into office and people go. Are you with me? But what we are working on is the eternal kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That cannot pass away. That will not pass away. That God's watching over his people. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that we put our hand to the eternal plow. Not just some natural thing that 10 years from now will be gone and say, you know, hey, that was good. That was a good run while we had it. No, we're putting it to what's eternal. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Your faith will be spoken of in eternity. Hallelujah. Remember, everything we do down here goes on record in heaven. Are you with me? Look at everybody that's gone before us. Go read Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, and go see the great men and women of God that went ahead of us. That's all recorded up there. You think people are going to get to heaven and forget what happened here on the earth? No, you'll be able to see Stephen. You, you'll know, hey, he didn't bow his knee. He was stoned to death. But look at him. He saw Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. Are you with me? Peter, James, and John. Thomas, which people don't realize. Thomas went on to do a great work for God. He might have doubted. He might have said, I won't believe unless I see his nails and his hands and his feet. But he went on according to what history tells us, he went and shook the eastern part uh, through Turkey all the way into India. The whole of southern India was shaken by the ministry of Thomas. People don't know that. Oh, Thomas the doubter. Thomas, the one who doubted, it was the time of his doubting was short compared to the time of his believing. So just so you know, you might have wavered a little bit. You might have had a couple of wobblies. How many of you ever had a wobbly? But you're not wobbling now. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Say it again, in preparation. So you say, well, pastor, what, what preparation are we in for, for the next 36 months? The next 36 months, that's what we're in preparation for. 
preparation for what is eternal. That's what she focused on, the woman who came with the alabaster perfume, box of perfume. It was for his burial, but that is reflected even into 2023 because we smell the fragrance of the gospel still to this day. Preparation for the Last Supper because there's coming another supper when we'll eat together with him. Don't you think there's big preparation taking place in heaven right now? Are you with me? They're having to set more tables because we're having another crusade. We're getting more people saved. So just when they're about to get the last table set, we have another meeting, 2,000 people get saved. They go, okay, guys, we need more tables. Get them in quickly. Somebody said, well, surely there has to be a cutoff place. Well, not today. Especially if you sit here and you don't know Jesus. Not today. After the service, yes, but not during the service. Although he can come anytime he wants to. So I want you to realize this. We, we are preaching the good news, the glad tidings. And everywhere we go, we're looking for people that carry water. And you will find them everywhere. You'll find them everywhere. You might have to look a little bit, but you'll find them. You'll find them. I love that. Large upper room, furnished carpets, dining couches. I think I'll make a place like that here. Amen. As we prepare, it is as though God works ahead of us and sends an angel ahead of us. And in preparation, as we walk, favor is there. You, you, you get there and the door's open. You get there, you walk through the door, you get through. Everything's already laid out. The stuff that would take you months to do is just there. It's just like everything's just clicking. It's just falling into place. Get ready, because that's what you're going to see. Amen. Say it out loud. So I'm in preparation. When you read through the book of Acts, what do you see? The same thing took place. Where do you think the upper room was? It's the same room. The upper room where they got the Holy Ghost was the same room they had the Passover in. It's the same place. It was already laid out. The guy carrying the water was making room for living water that was going to come as 120 people would come that day and get filled. So you just have to see that. In the spirit, everything is laid out. What happens to many, they try to do everything in the flesh and they fail. Make preparations However, if the touch of God is not on it, you're wasting your time. I'm going to say it again. Make preparations. However, if the touch of God is not on it, you're wasting your time. Somebody said, what do you mean the touch of God? I'm talking about it, everything just flows. We have a motto here at the ministry. If you have to force it, it's not God. If you have to force it, it's not God. Everything must flow. Everyone say flow. These next two weeks, how many will make preparation in your heart for what God is about to do? First of all, who's coming to this week, this conference? Who's not going to miss anything? All right, then you have to make preparation. If you don't make preparation, you'll miss half of it while you're here. I believe that this week is going to be a significant week for all of us and for every person coming in. If you're watching right now, you can come in. There's no charge on the conference. You just get here by plane, train, boat, bus, canoe, back of a camel, you ride an alligator, whatever, an airboat, a P-Row, if you're coming from Louisiana, whatever it takes to get in here. 
Some of you say, well, how do I get in preparation? In prayer. In prayer, say, God, don't let me lose one thing. I don't want to lose anything. So start, start crying out to the Lord in preparation. Father, I'm getting ready for this. I know you've got something for me. I'm going to receive divine instruction. It's going to come from your hand, and it's going to catapult me. I'm not going to be spinning my wheels. This is going to set the tone for what you're about to do in the next 36 months. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So in prayer, we make preparation. In the Word, we make preparation. In the Word, we make preparation. In prayer, you say, Lord, build in me a greater capacity to receive what you're about to do. Let me see your word in a fresh way with greater clarity than I've ever seen it before. Let it pop right out. Somebody said, well, Pastor, I don't understand. How come you can read a passage of Scripture and get something that other people don't even talk about? It jumps right out at you. I was reading through that, and I saw that in preparation, in preparation. I thought, wow. And the Lord said, yeah, there's a lot of people. They're not ready for what I'm about to do. They're praying for it, but they're not ready. You have to pray and then prepare yourself. Are you with me? Capiche? Comprende? So here's what I do in preparation. Obviously, you wait upon the Lord, wait upon him in prayer and in times of the word. But I've found that this always works. I just I keep praying, I keep reading the word, and I keep giving. I keep doing exactly what he tells me to do. And I just do that every single day. There's a lot of things. Can I be totally frank with you? Forget Frank, he's sitting over there. I'll be Rodney. <laughs> frank. Um, there's many things that I'm, I'm, I'm not happy with in the natural. There's many things I see that I'm not happy with because I'm just not happy with. So I have nothing to do with anybody. It's just me. Some say, well, I thought you were happy with everything. I mean, I'm happy in the Lord, but there's a lot of things. Things happen in your life and things happen on a daily basis that you're not happy with. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like you think, what? Where did that come from? But you have to not be distracted. You have to stay focused and just keep doing exactly what you're supposed to do. God will bring it to pass, everything he has said and what he promised. Can you say amen? Because he doesn't lie. All the other stuff will pass. It'll all blow over. It's just nonsense. It'll blow over. I know this is such an exciting message here. <laughs> People don't want to hear, oh, prepare, prepare. I've got, to, I've got to prepare. Seriously? Yeah. What are, you, what, are you, what are you believing for? Would you better get ready for it? What do you believe in the Lord for? Well, I believe in the Lord for big things. Okay, so what does that mean? Translate that into what that means. I'm believing the Lord to expand my business. You can't even handle what you have right now. Some say, I'm believing the Lord for an open door for new context. You have not even found the context that you have been given already. <laughs> Hello. Sit around King's Arms drinking coffee, wondering how these things don't just find their way onto your computer. You have to pick up the phone. You have to make the call. You have to engage. Come on. Are you with me? Let 
I talked to people in the traveling ministry. Well, I just don't have any invitation. I said, well, first of all, do you need an invitation? I thought there's a commandment, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Have you gone? No, I'm just sitting here at home waiting for an invitation. I said, it's not going to happen. Well, well, then how, how do I get, I don't know, how do I get the door open for me? Go! <laughs> well, what happens when I go? You find a guy with a pot of water. Follow him. Need an invitation. Most of these places we go to is just one dude with a pot of water. Basically. Please, would you come to our city? Well, okay, so how many can we fit in there? Okay, we'll try to come. But now it's overwhelming. Now we have to get another place. That takes everything to another level. We have to spend the money. Just for Monday night alone, $50,000 for the convention center, the site, the sound, the screens, and whatever. It's in the church, no cost, because you're in the church building, but you can't have 1,800 people come in a 600-seater building. You can't. Are you with me? So we said, well, we've got to make preparation. Yeah, we have to believe God. We have to go to the next level. We can't surround you moaning. Oh, I tell you, it's just terrible. Everywhere we go, there's just too many people coming. <laughs> we just, we're going to just have to scale everything back. We won't advertise. That's what we're going to do. We're going to not advertise. We're not telling anybody where we're going. We're just going to show up. Even then, it becomes a nightmare. Yeah. Are you with me? Because now people say, well, you were in the area and you didn't tell me you were coming. You have to make preparation. That's what we have to do all the time here at this ministry. Constant change is here to stay. Amen. Amen. Preparation. Hallelujah. We're always looking for better ways to get the job done. Amen. Amen. How many needs do you hear this today? <laughs> Who's being encouraged here today? How many know you're on the right track today? <laughs> Don't get frustrated. Well, think how frustrating it is for the kids. <laughs> no, because they see themselves doing certain things at the age of four, but they can't do it. I want to drive the car, Dad. You can't. Your feet won't even hit the floor. So you have to wait. You have to wait at least until you're 16. At least. That means another 12 years. You just have to, one day I want to drive. I can make preparation. Your dad can teach you to drive. You can know how to drive. If you were like Ricky, he stole the car and was driving by the time he was, he was 11. Isn't that right? No, younger than that. Huh? How old were you when you first took the car? Nine years old. <laughs> Kenneth, how old were you when you took the car? You never took it? Okay. You didn't even just drive it in the driveway. How old were you when you first drove it in the driveway? Huh? 14, okay. Yeah, so there's always, there's always a kid jumping the gun. But, but preparation is very important. Can you say amen? amen? So there's time to be born. Preparation for born, to be born. There's a time to die. Do you know that somebody's going to have to make preparation for your funeral? I know nobody wants to discuss this, but 
No, think about it. Somebody's going to have to make pre preparation for a plot of ground to stick your carcass in. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. It is... <laughs> what? Everybody's excited about time to be born, but the moment I mention die, everybody's just like, I'm not saying you're dying. I'm not saying you're going to die, but there has to be preparation in place for that. Well, the congregation went south. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to live forever in this physical body. Aren't you happy about that? So there's going to be time when you say goodbye. Plan everything. Plan to have a party. Call the whole family to tell them, you all come to the house. We're going to have a feast, and then I'm going. You know, there were many people of God that did that. Amen. I think when I go, I'm going to announce a massive meeting. I'm going to preach the meeting, and then I'm out of here. <laughs> I think that would be a great way to go. Like, just announce my home-growing meeting. Huh? And then just take off. Get out of here. Preparation. All right, let me move on here, saying that. <laughs> let me ask the very big question here today. While you make all these preparations in the natural, for natural things, getting married, having children, building a house, launching a company, Eternity, what about preparation for eternity? Let me close with this. I was on a plane flying from DFW to Denver, Colorado. And I happened to be sitting in first class next to a person who was in charge of the, I don't want to get it wrong, but I believe it was the, the third fleet in Europe you know, a huge military thing, and he was sitting there by me, and he had the roughest mouth, you know. He started talking about his retirement, and, and he said, I made preparation for my retirement, and he said, many of these young people, they have nothing prepared for financially for their retirement. I'm talking about the year probably around about 1994, okay? And so, 1994, what am I thinking about retirement? You know what I mean? Retirement? Are you kidding me? I'm preaching the gospel. I mean, work out how many years ago that was. So, he's looking at me. He says, have you made any prepare, preparation for your retirement, son? And uh, I was like, he said, well, if you haven't, then you're a blinky, blinkety-blank idiot. And just started railing on me, you know? I said, well, I've got my wife, I've got my three kids. I said, you know, I'll, I'll make some plans. But, I, you know, I didn't really know what to do until he just went off at me. So I said, okay. I said, that's fine. You might be making and made all the plans for your retirement. Let me ask you a question. Have you made plans for when you die? Because if you haven't, then you're a blinkety-blank idiot. <laughs> now, I did not use the words he used, but he got the message. Are you with me? I said, yeah, you are making all these preparations for your retirement at the age of whatever, I think 65 at that time, and he's going to got all the money and everything ready for his retirement. I said, but if you die, I said, do you know how many people retire? And then in a few years, they, they're gone, but they made no preparation for eternity. What if I told every one of you here and you that are watching my wave television that while you are living your life on the earth, you actually are preparing for eternity, whether you know it or not? You're getting ready for eternity. Because the Bible says it's appointed and a man wants to die after that, the judgment. So this is probably one of the most important questions that we could ask anybody. It's an important question that you should be asking all of your friends, your family, your loved ones.
people around about you? Are you ready for that final moment when you breathe out your last breath and then where you're going to spend eternity? Besides that, everything you're doing here on the earth will reflect in heaven. No act of kindness, no act of generosity, no act of helping people goes unnoticed by God. He sees all of these things. And what is done secretly, God will reward openly. On that day, can you say amen? amen? So this is so important. We want to make sure, as a man, you want to make sure that you have set your course for eternity. You want to make sure that your wife because you're with her, that she's ready. You want to make sure that your children are. And then, of course, as a parent and grandparent, you want to watch over your grandchildren as well. Make sure that they're headed in the right direction. It's not going to hurt you to pop in on the grandbabies at any time and just check up on them and just keep tweaking them. Amen. You're not there to discipline them like that mom, but you can say certain things that impact the kids whether they like it or not, it's imperative that you do these things. Amen. Say this after me. I am in preparation for eternity right now. Therefore, that means the decisions that I make here on the earth have eternal ramifications. That's why I can't just go do whatever I want to do. Somebody said, well, you can do whatever you want to do. I can't. I must find the will and the plan and the purpose of God for my life and do only what he wants. I can't even run over here. When people are calling, come over here. I said, in the plan of God, we'll come over there. Come over and preach over here. I can't. I can only go where the Lord releases me to go at this time. Are you with me? These are, these are important, important things to remember. And it's not that you want to come to a place of inactivity where you won't move because a lot of people say, I'm waiting on the Lord. I need to hear from God. And then they never hear from God. Four years later, they're still waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on God. God's going to tell me. No, the Lord will tell you. He'll direct you and you'll move and you'll keep moving. And then you'll see the increase come. The blessing will come and you'll make preparation for the next phase. And then the next phase of what God's going to do, because God is always moving. The Holy Ghost is always moving and the wind is always blowing. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let shout in preparation. So let's do this right now. I just want everybody to bow your heads, if you would, please. And let me give an opportunity right now for you that are here, those that are watching by wave television. I know the service is a little different here today. We'll do the offering later. But this is important because people's lives are hanging in the balance. And especially you that are watching and clicking by wave television, you found this program Today, we live into millions and millions of homes across America. What would happen if today was your last day on the earth? You went home, put your head on your pillow in the middle of the night. You went to sleep and then just never, never woke up. Where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? I want you to know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. You don't have to go to devil's hell because 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, the price was paid and the blood was shed. And just like that old song said, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all the guilty stain. Today, the power of sin will be broken. The power of guilt and shame will be removed from your life. You might have walked in here one way, but you'll leave another way because today he calls you. God is that interested in you that today will be the turning point in your life. And you'll look back on this day, the seventh day of May, and say, that day something changed forever. I want you to know how much he loves you. He loves you so much. And today he stands with arms wide open and he says, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He calls you. He says, will you come? Will you say, yes, Lord? Somebody said, Pastor, my life's in a mess. 
Jesus is the one that takes your mess and will make it a message that will speak to multiple people. He says, come to me. Come to me. Maybe you're sitting here today, you're watching, you say, Pastor, I gave my life to the Lord in days gone by, but I've grown cold. I'm not serving God like I should. I lost that first love, the passion, that fire that I once had that's gone. I want it back. I want it back. Just surrender to him today and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Maybe something hidden, no one can see. Pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, anger, lust, the hidden things that clog the heart of man. But today he said, I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I'll put within you. Will you let him do it today? Will you say, yes, Lord? Yes. Maybe it's not hidden. Maybe it's something outward that everyone could see. And that's even worse because people judge you all the time. But God's a God of a second chance and a new beginning. And he says, come, come, come to me. Will you surrender and say, yes, Lord? Maybe you're here today, you say, Pastor, the last number of years, a storm upon storm has come against my life. A sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened that shook my whole world. But today I want to come back. I want to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Would you allow him to do that today? Would you surrender afresh to him and say, yes, Lord? Yes. And then lastly, maybe you hear, you say, Pastor, I do love the Lord. There's not even a question. But as I'm sitting here, I'm not sure. I'm not sure of my salvation. I don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt, which I really want to know. I really want to know. I want to know that I know that I know I'm a child of God. I don't have that assurance, but I'd like to do that today. If this is you, if you fit in any one of these categories, I want to pray with you and for you right where you are, quickly, without any hesitation whatsoever, put your hand up and say, pray for me right now. Thank you. All the way at the back, under the overhang, another hand over there, another hand over there, another hand, another hand, another hand. In the, in the, in the west balcony, the north balcony, hands are going up, south balcony, on the main floor, just slip it up high and say, yes, today is my day of freedom, right there, under the balcony, yes. Anybody else? Just slip it up high. I see your hand, sir. Anybody else? Raise up high right now and say, yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Once you've raised, you can put it down. I want you to look at me, please. On this section here, and then right above, up into the north balcony, if you didn't raise your hand, but you want to be included, quickly slip your hand up and say, include me. Anybody else? Glory to yours. Anybody else? This center section and the west balcony, you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included, put your hand up right now and say, include me. I see your hand, another hand, another hand. Anybody else? South balcony and the main floor, you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included, slip it up high. Thank you, right back there. Thank you. I want everybody that raised your hand to stand to your feet right now. Stand across the place. I want you to come from where you are and come stand right here. We're going to pray. Come. Just come. Bring your personal belongings and come. I have decided. To follow Jesus. To follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. 
the cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me. No turning back. can take the whole world but give me Jesus you can take the whole world turning back no turning back you know for me I try to tell people this I was five years old when I first came down the aisle five years old and I knew that God had called me to go to the world. I'm from Africa. I never knew how I would ever be able to go anyway. But I said to the Lord, I give you my life. When I was eight years old, he baptized me in the Holy Ghost. And now here, what, 80, what's it, 88 countries now? So I know what's about to happen with you is eternal. It's not just, oh, I went down to the altar, I prayed with the preacher. What's happening right now is something that's very eternal. In actual fact, you're making preparation for eternity right now. So I want you to close your eyes, raise your right hand to heaven. That's where your help comes from. You that are watching in your homes, do that right now. Pray with us. As I pray with them, you pray with me. Close your eyes. Raise your right hand. Father, I come to you in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And I believe in my heart that God has raised you from the dead. I will be saved. So, Father, right now, I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart right now. Take out the stony heart, put in a heart of flesh, wash me, cleanse me, change me, fill me, use me. Let me never be the same again. I turn my back on the world. I turn my back on sin. And I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you that on the third day you rose for me. And thank you that you're coming back again for me. From this day on, I'll never be the same again. I confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He is my Lord and my Savior. And right now, by faith in the finished work of the cross and by the shed blood of Jesus, I'm saved. Thank you, Lord, for saving me now. Now just lift both hands. Let me pray over you. Wonderful Jesus. 
Father, I pray that you would seal them now by your blood and by your spirit, that on that day not one would be missing. Raise them up to be mighty men and women of God and use them to impact this generation. I break every bondage, every curse, every spirit of witchcraft, everything that's been working against their life is broken, broken from them right now. I break it now. I pull it out by the roots. I rebuke fear, depression, thoughts of suicide. I break it. Any addiction to drugs or alcohol or anything, natural or fabricated, I break it and I set them free from this moment for whom the sun sets free. That's the power of God coming on you right now. That's the anointing of the Holy Ghost coming upon your body right now. From the top of your head to the very soles of your feet. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your touch. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to flood their beings right now. That's the anointing coming upon you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. In the name of Jesus. In the name, in el nombre de Jesús, in Jesus' name, never the same, 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 never the same. Wonderful Lord, wonderful Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This program has been brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International in Tampa, Florida. For more information on the ministry of Drs. Rodney and Adonica Howard Brown or for additional resources, visit revival.com.